back on the Zero Hour. I, as always, am your host, Richard R.J. Escal. I've appreciated my next guest's work for a long time, uh, both writing and hosting uh, video and so on, video commentary. Uh, I will continue to admire her work, I imagine, but there's one less place where I'll be admiring it, and that is the uh, journalistic outlet known as The Hill, because my guest Katie Halper was fired from The Hill for commentary she submitted uh, about, uh, well, I'll let her tell uh, the rest of the story, but first of all, Katie Halper, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, good to have you. Uh, so, you've told this story a million times by now, and I'm sorry uh, to make you repeat it, but you want me to tell it? Because I read about it. It's up to you. I can, I can, ref- I can tell it again. It's- yeah, tell it again, if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I was a guest, regular guest at the Hill for like three years. I would appear on the Hill every week to do a segment on the media and politics. And then in addition to that, I did some uh, guest hosting. And when you are a host, you get to do these things called mo- uh, radars, which are basically monologues. And I know from talking to my friends who are, are hosts there or used to be hosts there that there's no editorial process. You submit your radar. They put it in, you know, you email your radar the night before. They put it in the teleprompter, and then you record it, and then it's released. Um, they do, you know... Uh, Ryan Grimm, for instance, says he did like 150 of them. He he guesses, he estimates, and never got anything held up um, or cut. So I went in there. I did my guest hosting, and then I did uh, my radar. And what I decided to do for my radar, so for my monologue, again, these radars are just monologues straight to the camera, is I wanted to talk about the uh, Rashida Tlaib statements where she said that progressives are realizing more and more that you can't be progressive and support the apartheid state, uh, the uh, Israel's apartheid government. And then she got a lot of pushback, um, you know, from the usual suspects, the ADL, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, uh, Jake Tapper, who has a habit of picking on Rashida Tlaib, also has a habit of being pretty Islamophobic. In fact, there were... Jewish Voice for Peace uh, protested him a couple years ago over some of the things that he said. Um, he did a segment on it. A lot of p- members of Congress spoke out against her. And then, of course, all the reg- all the trolls that you get online on Twitter. So I wanted to do a video that both defended her, but also because one of the things that Jonathan Greenblatt of the Anti-Defamation League of the ADL said in his response was that Israel is not an apartheid state. So to me, that seems like something that is very documentable. And so what I did is I wrote my radar, my monologue about uh, that, and I made my case by citing uh, the UN, International Criminal Court, because apartheid is actually a defined crime. So obviously the term comes from, it's an Afrikaans word, and it was the official policy in South Africa. But it's also in the 70s, it was um, recognized as a crime by the UN. So I cited the UN, the International Criminal Court, uh, human rights organizations, Palestinian human rights organizations, um, international ones like Amnesty International and Human Rights Watch, and Betselem, which is an Israeli human rights organization. All of these people, these entities have argued that it's an apartheid state. Then I cited uh, um, Israeli officials, um, 
ministers, uh, former and uh, prime ministers, some prime ministers said it when they were prime ministers, that either was an apartheid state or would be an apartheid state if the two-state solution weren't reached, and of course it hasn't been reached. Uh, and then I wound up, I kind of brought it home with uh, quoting Nelson Mandela, Desmond Tutu, and a, um, uh, a current, a present day uh, a foreign, uh, foreign minister, minister of foreign affairs from South Africa, who just a few weeks ago said at the UN General Assembly that the, you know, the consensus is that it's a an apartheid state. She actually cited Daniel Levy, who himself was a was a negotiator at the Oslo Peace Accords. Um, so I did that. I recorded it. They filmed it. I left, and then I was told that they wouldn't be releasing it. The producers were lovely. They tried to do the right thing, uh, which I, hopefully is not a fireable offense, that they were on the right side of history. But the higher-ups didn't want to release it, and so I spent a couple days going back and forth with the producers trying to figure out a way to maybe reach some kind of compromise because what they told me when they told me they weren't going to run it is that a producer said she didn't know that they had this new policy where uh, they're not doing op-eds on Israel. Not The Hill is not doing op-eds on Israel, so they're neither writing, they're neither allowing for written pieces, written op-eds, nor are they allowing for these uh, video op-eds, these radars, these monologues. But she said that they did say that you could still do segments on it. And again, my, it's a little nomenclature but inside baseball maybe, but I would go on as a guest. I would do segments as a guest. So mm-hmm. my understanding was that I could still talk about it as a guest. I just couldn't do a straight opinion piece straight to camera. So we're going back and forth. We're saying maybe we can do the run the radar, but then have someone from the opposing side respond to it, or maybe I can have a debate afterwards. Or, you know, we're, I'm trying to see if this is going to be released. And then uh, Bob Cusack, who's the editor in chief of The Hill, calls me, tells me he's not going to release it. So then I emailed the, I texted the producers and asked if I could then do it for my segment because I this was on a Wednesday and I tape my weekly segments Thursday morning. Then they're released on Saturdays. Um, and then I was told to check my email, and that's where I saw I had an email where a uh, Nexstar executive, uh, Nexstar, and Nexstar owns the hill, yeah, right? Yeah, we'll get into that in a second. But she said, you know, we're not going to be needing you for your for the your segment tomorrow. Please give us any outstanding invoices. Best of luck. Um, which shocked me. I mean, it just it really did shock me because I I thought that you know I've been a uh, a, a contributor there every week, basically taking a couple of weeks off when they had a, a switch over when Sagar and Crystal left Rising and then and new host came in. But um, so I guess I, it was a little naive for me, though, of me to think that they would not do that, given how they were responding. I don't think it was naive. I, I mean, if you if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. My opinion, it doesn't feel naive to me at all, because it seems to me, first of all, there was a rule, supposedly, that you hadn't heard about. I right. Does that extend to pro-Israel commentary, too, uh, or they didn't tell you? They but didn't they just, Yeah, I th- and also I should add that in your, to, to defend myself from my own allegation of naivete, I've done several segments as a guest on Israel. Well, and it also seems to me, you know, Katie... It seems to me, uh, you know, sometimes people get censored or edited and they're like, they're intransigent and, and, you know, maybe they have a right to be, but, and so they lose a job because it's like, okay, if you don't want to do what we say, then you can't work for us. Okay. That, 
and, and that can be wrong too if it's political censorship. But I kind of tracked this thing that happened with you and the hell, and you were like definitely not doing that because you were saying, well, oh, I didn't realize. Can we do it this way? Can we do it that way? And then all of a sudden it's like, uh, you know, pack up your desk. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're out of here. So it, it, it's nobody said, uh, you know, if you keep pressing this issue, no. you're going to lose this gig, right? I mean, no. No, so I had no, no, like, indication. So it really did shock me. And what I had been doing is that because I didn't know whether they were going to release it, I had prepared, I had reached out to Breakthrough News and I was like, I have this video idea that I really want to get out there. Um, and I may not be able to get out there where I shot it. So I, I was already planning with them. And, uh, because at that point I was like, maybe they won't release it, but I'll, they'll let me make my case at, in the form of being a guest. And it is a real thing to think about. It's like, well, I want to, that, that gives me a large reach, the hill. The, the, the aesthetic of the show adds a lot of legitimacy to it, for better or for worse, that people right. see stuff that looks like it's a professional set. And I think, I don't mean legitimacy like towards me, Katie Helper gives me gravitas. I mean, make, gives the things I'm saying, and I spend a lot of time saying stuff about Israel, I think a sense of gravitas and legitimacy that you, you don't get necessarily from just doing it from your home. Yeah, um, which is how I do my other my my shows. Right, he um, agreed sheepishly. Yes, but yes, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I I was willing to if they let me do it as a uh like as a pre, you know as a segment as a discussion. I wasn't being a like you said. There are people who would quit at any pushback, and they have that's a principled position. I made the calculation that if I'm allowed to keep getting this these stories out there. Uh, then I'll, I'll just keep doing that. And so that's what I was trying to do. And at this, and then I got that email and I was like, okay, so we're making this video, uh, with Breakthrough News, which is an independent media organization. I'll make their video. And, uh, also I'll, I'll include the fact that this was a video that I was not allowed to make at the Hill because I wanted to at that point. Like I thought it was important to, uh, expose them. Well, and I think it, it, it's especially important. Um, because the hill in particular is called the hill for Capitol Hill. It's one of a couple trade papers, for lack of a better term, right? For staffers and uh, congressional staffers and people around the city of Washington and, and all of that. A lot of people read it, uh, and, and uh, the people who read it influence policy. So if there's all of a sudden a kind of see nothing, hear nothing policy towards an issue that's central to U.S. foreign policy, morally as well as in other ways, that's a story I think people should know about. Yeah. I mean, I said at one point when I was texting, I was like, so what if they said no coverage of Saudi Arabia? Right. Oh, which, yeah, absolutely. The um, and the, uh, now nobody ever said to you, Katie Halper, this is why we're parting ways with you. Nobody ever said, well, you pushed the envelope too far. You were. It was just well, I'll just send in your your remaining invoices and have a nice life, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Best of luck. 
So have you been able to, and then I want to talk a little bit about the content of what you said, because I think it puts this all in context. But first, just getting through the mechanics of what happened, if you don't mind. Uh, Do you have any sense of, was this, did this have to do with the owners of the hill? Did it have to do with not wanting to alienate certain important sources that might, you know, Stop uh, feeding stories, you know, kind of beet sweetener thing. Or, or do, you, do you have any idea what the motivation was here? Bronco Marchetich at Jacobin wrote a really good piece. It's called uh, Left Wing Journalist Katie Halper has been fired for calling Israel an apartheid state. Um, but really what's very interesting about it is he looks at Nexstar, which, again, is the company that bought the Hill back in August. And... Um, just for some, I'm going to just quote his piece. So uh, this month, Psagot Value Holdings Limited, an investment firm based in Tel Aviv, bought 6,100 shares uh-huh. of Nexstar to the tune of more than $1 million. Um, in late August, Nexstar filled the position of deputy managing editor of News Nation, its cable channel, with Jake Novak, a journalist who spent the preceding year and a half as the media director of the Israeli Consulate General in New York. Um He has written approvingly of Donald Trump's dropping of U.S. support for the two-state solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and he has advocated for Israel to build more illegal settlements, um, uh, more illegal settlements that would make up a hypothetical Palestinian state, saying, quote, it would bring more peace, prosperity, and freedom to both Israelis and Arabs. Uh, six days before the announcement of his hiring, Novak led a presentation at Bar Ilan University titled Defending Israel Against Media Bias, How to Fight News Media and Social Media Bias Against Israel, colon, the best uh, defense is a good offense. So, there's- Well, they've certainly been doing that. And, you know, we've seen journalists right and left uh, getting getting uh, fired or getting, you know, just uh, just around the same time your situation was happening in New York Times. uh, You probably know about this, but a New York Times photographer uh, was fired because on Facebook he had expressed support for the Palestinian cause, while, as you point out, uh, and others have pointed out, you've got three columnists at, uh, uh, three writers at the New York Times who have uh, sons in the Israeli Defense Forces, and yet that's not considered a conflict of interest. They're allowed to write about Israel, right? So it's clear that, you know, the, the pushback is getting extremely aggressive. We've seen APAC uh, using its PAC money to target politicians who criticize Israel. Uh, and uh, to me, it seems the story here, as I know you understand, Katie, is way, way bigger than you or me or, you know, I've, I haven't gotten in trouble for Israel for some weird reason, but but uh, Nathan J. Robinson, whoever it might be, Mark the, the, I, and I wrote a piece of the Daily Beast that goes through a lot. Some just some of the people have been in trouble over this. Yeah, yeah, but the story, yeah, I mean Zed Jelani and some other people at uh, at uh, Think Progress back, you know, oh, right who, yeah. it, you know, it goes back a ways, but it's intensifying. But to me, uh, this ties into the whole notion that the response here should be censorship, 
fear, the instilling of fear in journalists to bring up the is- issue, to speak out on the issue, uh, you know, while we're condemning, uh, you know, the killing of Khashoggi, where uh, uh, I, I, there was an, a column by Nicholas Kristof last week uh, calling for press freedom on the anniversary of Khashoggi's murder that did not mention Julian Assange, did not mention Edward Snowden, did not mention anybody pump, you know, you know, there's no, it seems that we're increasingly blind to an accelerating process of censoring people. This is maybe the main hot button issue where the censorship is taking place. But to me, it's all part of a normalization of state and quasi-state and, you know, corporate censorship. Do you agree with me? Yeah, I do, yeah. And I think that something scary is that we do see for, I mean, there's a, I guess I understand where it comes from, but I think the left is being a little myopic about the censorship question. Um, I think that because of Donald Trump, an odious, the odious individual that he is, but I think that the response to that on the left has, has some segments of the left have, have kind of embraced censorship. Um, oh, yeah. In response to that, or in what they think is a response to that, and that's pretty dangerous because the people who always suffer the most from censorship are the left. And in fact, Palestinians are the people who suffer the most. I mean, there's just been like systemic censorship shutting down Palestinian journalist accounts. Facebook engaged in that a lot. And um, this is the, I think, the issue that you really get most censored on or one of the issues that you get most censored on. And, um, you know, I'm not comparing myself in a million years to Shirina Abu Akleh, but I am talking about there is a, a spectrum, obviously, and I'm way at the other end of it, which is someone I just talk about what's happening there. She was there on the ground and obviously paid with her life because she was killed by the IDF. Um but this is an issue that if you talk about it, you will, if you report on it the way that they, that someone like Shireen Abu Akleh does and other really brave journalists there, especially Palestinian journalists, you could lose your life or you could get injured. Um, so I'm very, I mean, I'm, again, I'm not at all comparing myself. I'm, I guess I'm contrasting myself to them because of the sacrifices they make. But, uh, it is, you know, even in my very privileged world, it's it can be, you know, and again, I'm relatively lucky. This was not my only source of income. I have the Katie Helper show. I have um, useful idiots. But it's it's upsetting to be shut out of it from an audience, a large audience. And of course, it is nice to get paid to host. Well, of course it is. Yeah. I, the the and uh it, it, to me, and by the way, you do useful idiots now with Aaron Mate, but it used to be with, and maybe sometimes still is with my good friend Matt Taibbi, who, you know, we talk about this stuff all the time, every time, you know, this overall censorship of journalism and sort of liberal submission to the national security uh, control of, uh, you know, and admiration for the FBI. I just spoke earlier about, uh, you know, we now have seen 40 years of FBI surveillance on Aretha Franklin. You can't love the Queen of Soul and love the FBI in my book. But, but, uh, be that as it may, it, you know, it is, you have suffered 
financial and other laws. And I think part of the tactic is people, there, the hope is people will see that. Yeah. Other people who might want to comment on, on Israel. But Katie, you know, the thing that struck me when I, I look, when I, you know, I watched your band commentary and read the text and, and, um, what struck me about it was two things. One, like you, I'm Jewish, uh, which, you know, has immediately for 50 years been swept aside by the phrase self-hating Jew. I first heard my uncle tell me that when I was a teenager, that I was a self-hating Jew. And so many times that I finally said, no, but I'm going to be a you-hating Jew if you keep this up. So, but, so, but that's one. But the other thing that struck me, Katie, and I have to say, the, besides the fact that it was really, and I, 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 I don't say this all, beautifully written, beautifully done. Yeah, it was, it was, in its own way, it had a gentleness about it. It, it had... I'm trying to remember, it ended by saying, yes, you know, after you clearly make this case that apartheid is a legal entity, uh, Israel meets the definition of it, uh, here's why, here are other people who have brought that up, here are other people who have been punished, but you end up by saying, you know, you know, and of course this is, is supposed to be the time of reflection and repentance, right, and atonement, yeah, you you end by saying, you know, instead of attack, I'm paraphrasing you, of course, but uh, instead of attacking people who uh, call Israel what it is, let's try to imagine, uh, and, and instead of believing that that means automatically calling for the destruction of Israel, instead try to imagine what an Israel would look like that is, not an apartheid yeah. state. Well, I actually say what a post-apartheid country. A post-apartheid. Like. Yeah, okay. And I do say country because I want to leave. I don't know what it's going to look like, honestly. And that's like a right. whole other discussion. But I don't know if it's two state or one state. I know a lot of people think that a two state solution is no longer viable. Right. Um, I, I want to do a big show on this on the Katie Helper show, actually, because I know that there's a lot of debate about that. Right, and I asked a journalist, you know, uh, based in Israel, uh, from another Middle Eastern country, but I asked, I said, do, uh, do you agree with my perception that the two-state solution is dead? And he said, I don't want to answer, I, I, you know, I'm inclined to say yes, but that's really for the Palestinian people to decide what they want, and of course then to work that out. But your point was to me, that's why, you know, it's kind of beautiful, really, because what you're really saying is, we can imagine, and thank you for the correction on country because that's important, but we can imagine better futures rather than censoring people for pointing out what's going on in the present. And I thought that was, if anything, ending on a light touch. Uh, right, I caught that too. So, um, you know, and that Rabbi Alyssa Wise, I don't know if you know her, uh, I don't know her that well, but she, she, uh, she, uh, tweeted the other day, we have, uh, we, the Jewish people collectively have a lot to atone for yeah. this year, you know. But I mean, that's not a popular opinion in a lot of places. And, uh, so, first of all, I just wanted to point that out, that you ended on a positive, this was not a, hate screed, you know what I mean? It was just an observation of a terrible thing that's being done and the fact that Israel has become a, 
apartheid state. There really was, I don't know what you think, but I felt for a long time that there's no, especially with the, the injection of all the settlements into Palestinian land, that there's no way out of this other than real democracy or absolute, you know, theocracy uh, slash apartheid state, which is historically unstable. So I don't think there's a future, a peaceful future that doesn't involve recognizing that Israel is an apartheid state, I guess I would say. Right. I agree. Wait, say that again. You don't think, say that again. You don't think there's a future... I'm not going to say it again because you agreed, and well, that's binding. So no, no, no. Yeah, I think. No, no. I but what I said is, sure. let me put it. Let me not use negatives. Okay. I think the only way to a peaceful future is by acknowledging the that what currently exists is an apartheid state and uh, you know a nascent theocracy, so that something can be built that is stable in its place because I don't think that situation will ever be not only is it morally wrong it's not it doesn't last do you get what I'm saying yeah I do I I hope that's true I don't know though they've been able to maintain it for so long and now of course you know they talk about that some people talk about very problematically about a demographic threat Um, but the thing is you have a lot of people coming to Israel and Orthodox Jews having a lot of kids. And so it's not, I think, going to be as untenable as people used to think to maintain an apartheid state. No, you might, of course you might be right, but I feel as if world opinion in most places and opinion here among younger people is shifting. And, you know, I, I am old enough to have lived through uh, the collapse of public support for South African apartheid, right. which, you know, Reagan was a defender of. You know, I mean, people, it was mainstream to defend apartheid in this country for a long time. When it started to go, it went. And when it went, that support you know, there was going to be a point, you know, the clock began ticking on the end of the apartheid state in South Africa. Uh, of course, it's a very, you know, I can't back it up with data, but this is my feeling about what's happening now with with the way Israel is governed today. Right. I mean, I think that's true, but I also think that uh, Israel has on its side, something that they've really weaponized, and it's very unfortunate and tragic and um, pretty, I think, disgusting. Uh, Unlike South Africa, they have, I want to say this delicately, because it isn't something that should be weaponized, but the Holocaust and anti-Semitism, that lets them, I think, conflate any kind of uh, criticism of Israel with with anti-Semitism, uh, which of course is uh, does a major disservice to actual to fighting actual anti-Semitism because they've trivialized anti-Semitism because they say things that are not anti-Semitic are anti-Semitic. Right. I do think that people have more sympathy. I mean, it is changing, but um, it's also one of these things where popular opinion and public policy. There's a big difference between those two things. Yeah, for sure. 
Right. For sure. For sure. And that is a major issue. And, you know, you point out in, in your commentary that anti-Semitism is real. It needs to be fought. You know, it, uh, it's it's a terrifying and awful thing, uh, but you know in the end we have to face up to. I mean those, especially those of us who uh, you point out, and I, I, I and I've pointed this out too. I could you know I could go to Israel now. Right. I could go and. You know, I mean, according to Orthodox Jews, my mother's conversion was not valid. But it doesn't matter. I could still go. I could say, you know, my grandfather was as Jew and grandmother was Jewish as they get. My great grandfather was a senior rabbinical judge. You know, I could go tomorrow and become a citizen, as you point out in your piece, you could. And Palestinians who have been fighting for their homes for uh, in generations can't get them can't get them back have no right to return right. and that's just something that we with our very specific privilege in this case to me you know it's a complicated subject but to me because we have faced anti-semitism and because certainly for my father's generation uh they weren't maybe they were white but they were not white white you know, my father lost jobs because of Jew- he was Jewish and, you know, a lot of things, a lot of real bias there. Kind of, I equate it to what a lot of Muslims face today. The same hateful cartoons with the big noses and the, you know, very, there were, anti-Semitism is real. It shapes generations of Jews. It needs to be fought, but it also gives us, I think, a special obligation. To call out you know, the moral challenge that we face, which is to correct this wrong that you've described. Does that sound reasonable to you? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it is. Uh, does sound reasonable. I think that that's something that really does need to be done. And um, yeah, I think that you know if. If you're a Jew, uh, I think it's really important to show the world that Jews are not a monolith, that APAC doesn't represent all of us, that the ADL doesn't represent all of us, um, that ironically it's an anti-Semitic, I mean, it's anti-Semitic to suggest that Jewish identity and support of Israel are the same thing. I mean, that's what people try to suggest with the dual loyalty oath, more or less, that right. it's based on. Um, so that's another thing. I mean, watching the ADL it, it kind of ignore real anti-Semitism, which they do in the way that they give disproportionate coverage to things that are are not anti-Semitic. It means that their focus is on those things. There's also a great documentary I highly recommend called Defamation, where an Israeli Jew comes to the United States and, and like, kind of embeds with uh, the ADL. And oh, really? They assume uh-huh. because he's an Israeli Jew that he's not going to be critical, but he is very critical uh, of them. Uh but I think that, um, yeah, I think it's really important, you know, th- and there are a lot of Jews who say, like, not in our name, or there's Jews against the occupation, Jewish voice for peace. Um, I think it's a terrible thing that people have used a, like, an extermination to justify ethnic cleansing. Yeah, no, I think that's right, and I think it's a tragic 
irony, right? Um, so what's next for you, Katie? You've got your, you got the Katie Halper show. You've got useful idiots. You, what else is you got in mind for yourself? Uh, I'll just, yeah, youtube.com slash the Katie Halper show, youtube.com slash useful idiots, patreon.com slash the Katie Halper show, useful idiots.substack.com. Uh, I'll keep doing interviews. I want to do more monologues. Um, I, um, what else am I going to do? I'm still interested in this show that I pitched to the Hill, which is a leftist version of The View. Uh, and we had shot a, a pilot for that and we released one segment. It did really well in terms of numbers. So again, The Hill was not unhappy with my performance, um, until this happened. Um, so yeah, I'll just keep on keeping on. I had Norman Finkelstein on my show. I'm going to do a big panel. I'm not sure when yet where I, um, a big panel with um, uh, people who have been censored or fired over this issue. Oh, that's a great idea. Well, and, please. And I'm also going to do a panel uh, with guests who are in Israel um, or the occupied territories uh, where, so that'll be, my show streams 7 p.m. on Tuesdays, but this one will be um, uh, a Sunday during the day because obviously people in that area of the world are, later there so in order to have them on it'll have to be sunday daytime but if you subscribe at youtube.com slash the katie helper show you'll you won't miss it good and you're hanging in there otherwise these these life events can be stressful yeah they can be stressful it's depressing i've gotten a lot of support i wrote an op-ed about it for the daily beast uh rashida talib tweeted out very nice things about me roger waters tweeted something out susan sarandon retweeted stuff uh, and then mostly, honestly, like the most moving thing is have, is hearing from Palestinians who are express gratitude, um, which, I mean, they don't need to, I mean, that's, it's really nice to hear that. Um, and also some Jews who are like, as a Jew, I'm, you know, glad to see you put that position out there. So, yeah. Good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that and, uh, keep us posted on what's going on at Katie Helper, uh, Thanks for all the great work you've been doing. Thanks for speaking out on this issue, and thanks for coming on the program. Of course. Thanks for having me. And we'll be right back after this. I'm Richard R.J. Escal, and this is The Zero Hour.